1: Hi, I'm Dahlia Lithwick, legal correspondent, author, and host of Slate's Amicus podcast, a show about the rule of law, the law, and the Supreme Court justices who interpret it for the rest of us. I've been watching the high court for over two decades, and I bring all that experience and knowledge to examining the U.S. justice system and democracy. Each episode, I am joined by guests with deep knowledge of the law and policy who help me and you navigate our constitutional landscape. Slate's Amicus podcast. Subscribe now wherever you listen. Hello and welcome to Politics World Room with James Carville and I'm Al Hunt. This week, our guest is the White House Office of Management and Budget director, Shalanda Young. Remember, we love taking your questions, so write in at politicsworldroom at gmail.com or send a tweet to at Pliticon for next week's show. Now, we're going to get to as many as we can, but don't forget to tell us where you're from. And please check out the links to our sponsors, ExpressVPN and Henson Shaving, in our episode show notes. We thank you for supporting these sponsors. It really helps make this podcast happen. Please tell your friends about us and remind them to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, James, it's coming home for Donald Trump. Special Prosecutor Jack Smith almost certainly is on the verge of the mother of all indictments, the former president's role in trying to stage a coup to overturn an election culminating in the January 6th insurrection. A couple points. Um, we think we know a lot about what occurred January 6th and before, in large part due to the January 6th committee. However, we thought we knew a lot about the classified documents case. But Smith's indict, indictment brought out a lot more really damaging stuff, the way Trump tried to conceal documents, instances of revealing sensitive information uh, to outsiders, uh, classified information, and that he knew what he was doing was illegitimate. And I think it's a pretty safe prediction that we're going gonna to learn more and more shocking stuff about Trump post-2020 election, which he lost clearly, definitively. When this indictment comes down, I think the second ma- major point to look at is who will be who has cooperated with Smith on a high level against Trump: Rudy Giuliani, his former lawyer; Mark Meadows, his former chief of staff; or Jared Kushner, his son-in-law. All testified before the Smith-impaneled grand jury. All knew a lot uh, about Trump and what he was doing, and all have two powerful incentives. To cooperate and tell the truth, a to save their own skin, and the knowledge that loyalty is a four-letter word to Trump—he's loyal only to himself—and if the shoe were on the other foot, he would not hesitate a moment to cut them loose. And let's not forget, just you know, as a quick uh, afterthought, a probable indictment in Fulton County, Georgia, for trying to overturn that state's election, also uh, is almost imminent. James.
2: Well, I watched Trump last night at uh, Sean Hannity Head at Cedar Rapids, you know, rally, and you get, again, those people look and act so normal, and the whole thing is so literally insane, and I just want, you know, I, I agree that they're going to indict him on January 6th, they're going to have specifics in the indictment that are going to be, gee, I didn't know that, and oh my God, and... You know, it'll be a speaking indictment, as they call it on cable TV. And, and I, I guess I'm like anybody else. It's going to be horrific. He's he's a criminal. We've known that. Is, is it going to matter? I don't know. I, I, I I'm not. I don't. Nothing has mattered so far. I mean, the stuff that they classified documents, nuclear secrets, you name it. It it they just dig in deeper and i, I i'm i'm i don't know he's so crazy insane it's so crazy he's so guilty he's so crooked and they don't care
1: yeah i i i have been in that uh i've held a rather minority to put it mildly position that's all going to catch up to trump and uh his support both he he will uh, have trouble dealing with it at some point and support will start to diminished some. So far, that's been absolutely not the case. This is the big test. If it doesn't happen this time, it ain't going to happen. You know, I think the Trump defense was captured perfectly, James, by Wyoming Senator Cynthia Loomis. And here's what she said the Trump indictment would reveal. Quote, I quote, Cynthia Loomis. It shows that politicians lie and they know they're lying. The liar knows that people know he's lying and the people that are being lied to know they're being lied to. I think that captures Trump world perfectly. Uh, I, I don't know what will happen. I'm not going to back off of my prediction yet, but we're going to look for polls that come out around September 7th to 10th. Uh, and we'll see if he hasn't started a crater by then. And I still think he will. Uh, then he's not going to. And if he hasn't, I'm going to replicate what James Carville after an election loss did 30 years ago and put a trash can over my head. Uh, because if it doesn't happen by September 10th, it ain't going to happen. And, and I would just add, and James, you can pick up on this because you've been saying this for a long time. Conversely, if Biden is still running even with Trump after all this, there's gonna, the, the, the quiet panic in Democratic ranks is going to get a lot louder, and there are going to be people looking at uh, uh, places like uh, you know East Lansing, Michigan, to say, man, we need somebody to get in this thing.
2: Um, uh, yes, yes. I mean, I, I think that the fate is everybody is in. It's a Biden-Trump rematch, and that's where everything is going. And the important week is that, you know, Labor Day is, I guess, the 4th of September this year. That kind of – from from the 4th to the 12th is going to be eight big days in American politics. Because you're right, if, if it, nothing has changed and he's still – 45, 45 in a trial heat, and Biden's still at forty two approval. Eh, There's gonna be some, there're gonna be some earthquakes. And I, you know, and everybody is writing it. Even John Shea, you know, who are crazy about it. You know, everybody's trying to figure out when's he gonna start getting credit for it? The economy and the, the optimistic view is we're starting to see see some gain, particular gains. Real rageous, fiery workers. Maybe I. I, I don't know. I,
1: well, that's the I argument that there's the a show. lag time, and there is a little bit of a lag time, but that lag time's getting, you know, pretty pretty long. Uh,
2: right. And know? the question that haunts everybody: people just giving up. Right. He's too old. They're saying he's too. You you know, feet, we I don't with, know.
1: We were with a group of people last night. I think almost almost all, not all, but almost all, or Democrats would vote would vote for Trump, and the pessimism except for the Trump people who didn't participate. The pessimism in conversation was extraordinary. And somebody really smart said, you know, it, it, it's, it's not easy. It's embarrassing to get old in front of your family and your friends. But damn, imagine getting old every day visibly in front of the world. And, and uh, if that's the continued perception, it's, it's, a, it's a problem. James, let me ask you this. If Trump does start to deteriorate, if, if, if maybe I'm right, if maybe – uh, and DeSantis seems to lose support every time he campaigns. What what GOP dark horses are there out there?
2: Well, if if Trump starts to lose, the first thing that I think requirement is going to be you can't be somebody who is running against Trump because they view and they will and, and people are going to stay in this. Is Trump's going to get indicted? Our guy is under attack. How dare you? withdraw his attention from fighting a deep state and wherever. So it, it, if they have to look to somebody else, it's going to be somebody who's never crossed Trump and is not in the current field. And I think that person most likely would be J.D. Vance because he's ambitious enough and he's flexible enough, as he showed in the Senate race, To he, they're not going to go to, to Ron DeSantis, trust me. They're mad at him. It doesn't matter how many woke people he gets rid of or puts in jail or all the stupid crap he does. They don't like him. He touched the king.
1: Yeah, they don't like him. And, you know, even separate from that, uh, voters don't like him. My friend Tom Rath up in New Hampshire said every time he campaigns, he loses votes. Uh, and, you know, well, he and says, somebody yes, said yes. last night, James, you could pray. You've been around politics for a long time. Have you ever heard of a politician who, after he speaks, needs his wife to close so it looks better? You, you know,
2: I think a lot of people saw him and saw his election win, which was impressive. You know, let's not forget that. And he looked to score some early points on these hot button issues. The problem is he couldn't get them out it and he couldn't get from out under the stories that Susie Wiles was planning on him left and right. And the guy doesn't have any fallback skills. I, I'm, I mean, it's got to be terrible for him to be out there campaigning. Obviously, not only does he not like it, he he might have some kind of a medical condition that he that makes him uncomfortable around people. And that's kind of hard to run – in the New Hampshire primary at Iowa caucuses and be uncomfortable around people. <laughs> it,
1: it sure is, and, it, and, and maybe even more so in New Hampshire, uh, which, uh, yeah. you know, the old line up there was, are you going to vote for so-and-so? I only, only met him three times. Uh, right. So, uh, and uh, I, I, I just, I don't know how DeSantis uh, revives. He had a long interview with Jake Tapper yesterday, which didn't seem to do much, but uh, in any event... Well, it was, it's going it, to, big week this week and man, the next couple of weeks, James, are going to be colossal uh, and we will just have to see how it goes.
0: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty.
1: Hey, James, our guest is the director of the Office of Management and Budget, Yolanda Young, whose knowledge and skill as a former top appropriations staffer was the key in the debt ceiling negotiations that avoided a catastrophic default. Her Louisiana roots may be of some interest to you, James. We'll get to that. (laughs) But first of all, uh, Madam Director, those were tough negotiations. But House Republicans already are saying, "I'm sorry, we're not going to go along with them. There have to be deeper cuts, uh, and in the appropriations bills, and in any continuing resolution." Is there any room for compromise here?
3: Look, Al, I spent a, a few weeks without uh, a lot of time with my child, and uh, certainly not time to even get dry cleaning done. We 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 have compromised. Uh, we've had those negotiations. A deal's a deal. It is not unusual for the House and Senate to have their own processes to work out members' feelings, uh, and that's what's happening now. The Senate, on the other hand, which we can't ignore, is running a bipartisan process. Uh, Chair Patty Murray and, and Vice Chair Susan Collins are working in a collaborative way. Um, so we're 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 going to see what the House comes up with, but. Uh, A deal's a deal. All you got is your word in this town, um, and we're going to keep chugging along, and we have until October 1st, uh, to make sure we fund the government. And that's what the president expects um, for everyone to hold up their end of the bargain here.
1: Yeah, but if those, I call them crazies, if those right-wingers who just demand more, uh, and Kevin McCarthy knows he's in peril anytime he crosses them, if, if if they persist, there's likely to be a government shutdown. What would be the consequences of that?
3: Look, I've been in this town long enough, and done a lot of spending bills, and seen um, majorities come and go who think shutdowns are uh, good political tools. Um, and guess what? We we come to the table, we reopen in some reasonable manner with a bipartisan deal. So we get there one way or another. The question is, is do you think putting the American people through that uh, is a good idea? We do not. And and frankly, the debt deal established a process that would help prevent all of that. Uh, And so I still have some faith. I'm kind of an optimist uh, here. I I don't know why I'm an optimist in this town, but I am an optimist uh, that the Senate process, looking the way it does, that we're going to find a way to get there without doing harm uh, to the American people with a, I like it called the coalition who wants to govern. So there is a small group who may not, but there is a coalition of members I know well from both parties that want to find a way not to have this drama.
1: Let me ask you about one more, which could create problems in the Senate too. And that's the Ukraine supplemental funding measure. Some Senate Republicans are saying, okay, but it needs to be accompanied by additional defense spending above the cap and the debt deal. And some Democrats come back and say, okay, if there is more for defense, there's got to be an equal amount in addition for domestic spending. That's even before you get to the House. How are you going to navigate this uh, almost certain request uh, for a Ukraine supplemental?
3: You heard the president at the G7. Our commitment, uh, it's not just Ukraine, it really is can the West? Uh, stand up to uh, a, an authoritarian state who has just decided they're going to invade a neighboring country uh, in modern uh, day, day times. Um, this is no less than uh, the West sticking together to push back on that just very idea. And it's dangerous if we allow that to go unchecked. Uh, and again, the majority of members, and I want to thank Congress, has been there every time we have asked for funding. So, sure, there are people who uh, do not believe that this is a worthy goal, but there are more people uh, in Congress uh, who agree with the president that this coalition uh, is not only about Ukraine, uh, it is about establishing the West, establishing NATO uh, for future generations as a firewall between what Putin and his Russia stand for and what we stand for.
1: And then eventually those supporters who may want more defense spending or more domestic spending, you believe, will, will will give in on this Ukraine supplemental because the issue is so important?
3: Yeah, look, the dead deal never precluded funding for things outside of the normal budget process. We've always had to utilize supplementals for disasters, for example. I'm looking at you, James Carville, Louisiana. <laughs> Uh, we, we've we never, uh, we would never take our optionality to have funding to make sure we address communities in this country uh, who might need us. Mm-hmm. We're in the middle of hurricane season, something could happen. So the debt deal was never meant to preclude Congress and this administration from acting on things outside of the normal budget process. Uh, and that includes Ukraine, which has been above and beyond the regular budget process. Uh, and that commitment, uh, again, you heard the president of the G7, has never been stronger.
1: You know, the director, James, was born in Zachary, in Zachary Louisiana, raised in Clinton, went to Loyola and Tulane. Does that right. ring any bells for you, James?
2: <laughs> well, she goes from Northeast Baton Rouge Parish to East Louisiana Parish, <laughs> to Orleans Parish, all, all part of my stomping grounds here. But i um, I'm glad you brought that up, Al, because this the OMB director probably easy one of the 10 most powerful positions in the entire United States government. Uh, in so on to you with uh, a long time appropriations committee, uh, which is, I'm sure, one of the most powerful committees there are in the United States Congress. In everybody that I talk to pays homage, not, not only to your budgetary expertise and your line item stuff, but people took a point and said, man, she's smart. She can really read a room, which is, I can assure you, anybody here, I'm sure Al, a veteran, can too. Reading a room is the most important skill you can have in Washington. <laughs> if you if you can't read a room, I don't care how, how smart you are. You're not going anywhere. But tell us, haven't said all this which is demonstrative tell us a little bit about your background where you grew up what childhood was like and what's a a nice little girl from Zachary uh, like you doing in a position like this
3: I'm still trying to figure it out the girl from Clinton, <laughs> Clinton. Uh, I didn't know I I didn't know it in appropriations uh, office of management <laughs> and budget when young people ask me what piece of advice you know I I've never been a subscriber of five 10 15 year plans. When you grow up where I grew up, we didn't know anything. <laughs> we didn't know what these institutions were. Why would one limit themselves to the world you knew? I, I wouldn't be anywhere because I didn't know these things existed. I mean, uh, so I tell young people, like, yeah, you should have a goal to go to college. You know, I picked DC because I thought it was interesting and uh, I visited a friend and had a good time. But like the Appropriations Committee called. Everybody was scared of him when I when I started in the government. And I was like, who are these people? I want people to be scared when I call. Uh, you know, you got to I kept my options open and kept my ears to the ground. And you read a room. I can I can take. There are lots of smart people in this town. Uh, I like to hire people who have some common sense, as my grandmother would say. Like book smarts are fine. Uh, you need some basic level of knowledge about very important things. But uh, if you don't have common sense, uh, you can't make it far in this world. And I'd rather do do without that. Uh, so I try to have a little common sense because my grandmother told me that was a lot more important uh, than what you can read in a book. Uh, and reading a room is about common sense, Uh if somebody looks like they're having a bad day, it might not be the day to talk to that person. It might be the time to talk to the person sitting next to them because everybody has their stuff. Uh, so, you know, reg- regular folks do well in D.C. because, you know, human nature is human nature. And mm-hmm. these negotiations are about human nature. Uh, and you can go in with all the facts and figures you want. You kind of have to know what people care about and what they need to come out. And you have to know what the Speaker is dealing with. And as Al pointed out, what a tough job he has. It's not just my job to know what we're trying to get to. I need to know what he needs um, to get his members to go along with this. Uh, And so I like to consider myself not just Democratic vote counter. I'm pretty good at assessing what the Republican vote count will be as well, because you have to if you need something to pass the House of Representatives.
2: Well, uh, and as I understand it, uh, on the Republican side with your fellow Baton Rougeian, uh, Garrett Graves, who y'all uh, did some tough negotiating together. But my I, parents,
3: I, congressman. Your,
2: your parents, Congressman, your parents, congressmen. only, only, only an American, you know. Of course, Garrett's famously from South Baton Rouge. You grew up in the northern part of the parish, and and and, and I'm struck and also Ambassador Greenfield, who was from Baker, Right. It, this means nothing to people out of not you and I, but Baker and Zachary are one world. South Louisiana is another world. But yeah. you have these two enormously successful black women from basically around the same place. And, you, you know, you, you, you go into your career and you've done so, accomplished so much. Do you get time to talk to young people about what the possibilities are and but you can I mean to face yeah. it, you're a busy every person th- but you've had an inspirational yeah. life okay that's what i'm saying
3: yeah every chance i can and look linda thomas greenfield is one of those people for me along the way right. i was a young congressional staffer that that's how i like went around the world i had not gone anywhere until i started working on mm-hmm. the appropriations committee and guess what we fund things all over the world if we fund them we went and looked at them and I went with members of Congress, bipartisan members of Congress, and we stopped in Liberia. And Ambassador Thomas Greenfield was our ambassador in Liberia. And she clearly read everyone's biographies. And I get on the bus, she was like, you're my homegirl. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, now what now? And this, amb- I mean, she's larger than life in Liberia. Uh, of course. People looked up to her. Uh, she gave this great speech about reconciliation. And really, the t- you're wearing a shirt that says LSU. She talked about in Liberia, uh, you know, given all that they had gone through with the Civil War, her experience at LSU as a student. That stuck with me. I told, her, I retold her that story when we became colleagues. Uh, she, she is a force to be reckoned with. And to think about, you're right, this Black woman from Baker, Louisiana, as our representative in the United Nations, uh, speaks as much for Louisiana, where she's from, her own family, um, but it speaks to this country that that's our representative on the world stage.
2: Well, you know, one of the things I've noticed, I've, I've spent a lot of time in Louisiana, I've spent time all over the country in Washington, is, and of course you proved my theory to be too, is the the, the able people in Louisiana is, is able is able people anywhere yeah. I've ever been in the world. And so often people, you know, but you and Don and Bass Greenfield has done I mean, Lisa Jackson's done, Donna brazil's I don't want to but you could go on and on about black women, you know, who are at the very top of the talent game anyway in, in any way you want to look at it. and I I, ju- I just think you bring great credit to the Biden administration. I think you you just bring awesome credit to the state of Louisiana. I, I so admire your oh, thank you the work that you're doing.
3: Well, you're Robert. you're the institution again. No one no one is giving me a fancy nickname like raging Cajun, but <laughs> <laughs> I
2: aspire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I think maybe his reputation is being savvy and smart.
1: <laughs> Go All
3: In right. In
2: my
1: role as the dull, Straight Man, let me ask you just two more quick questions. I know you're dealing with the current uh, the current budget. But next year is a huge one. The, the the Trump tax cuts—a whopping three point five trillion over a decade, if extended—is your instinct now? They should be extended, or they should not be?
3: Like the president has been clear about this. Out, you know his pledge: no one making under four hundred thousand dollars in this country should pay more in taxes. Um, those over four hundred thousand. Uh, should you know, should should pay more in their fair share. But when we extend those below four hundred thousand, we should pay for those. If you care about def- the deficits in this country, which people like to say they do, uh, then we have to find a way to pay uh, to extend the tax cuts for those making under four hundred thousand. We're committed to doing that, just like we're committed to not raising taxes on those under four hundred. We're committed to pay for. That extension. Uh, And we call on everybody who claims they're fiscally responsible in this town when that deadline comes up. uh, We hope their fiscal responsibility uh, extends to tax cuts. You know, when the the 2017 Trump tax cuts were passed, not paid for. Uh, And we have to, in our tax code, have the discipline uh, to pay for those things just as we do for any other spending.
1: One more Social Security. The experts say that in 10 years that the uh, reserve fund uh, will dwindle and retirees would only get a percentage of what they're due unless something uh, is done. Nothing's going to be done, obviously, until after the election. But but just in a broad sense, what do you think could or should be done uh, to, to rectify that?
3: You two have been in this town a long time. You know, the... I, I wish uh, we did not do it this way, but you know we do. De- deadlines matter in this town. Um, and in 2033, when uh, the, the Social Security problem comes to a head, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of effort and ways to extend the trust fund. I hope we can start working on that sooner rather than later. But uh, my experience tells me deadlines are a helpful tool in Washington. Uh, we're not going to let benefits be cut. I I, I think both parties know that can happen. Um, But we do have to have a better political climate because you cannot fix Social Security or Medicare without both parties coming together uh, without trying to score political points. Uh, And that political space has to be had for us to find a solution uh, because we have to extend beyond 2033. We cannot ask people to pay into a system their entire lives Uh, to pull the rug out from under them so i expect both parties will find a way to the table uh, to find bipartisan solutions the question is when uh, i certainly hope it's long before the 2033 timeframe. my experience tells me it'll probably be closer to
1: i i want to say one more thing before letting james close and that is uh, it goes to you. My 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 nephew was a Republican staffer on the Appropriations Committee, and after these negotiations, he told me there was one constant uh, during those negotiations that he was told. About. And I said, "What what was that?" He said, "Everyone in the room." And there was a lot of polarization in that room. Everyone in that room trusted Shalanda Young. That I can't think of any higher compliment to pay to someone involved in a negotiation like that.
3: We Louisiana people are trustworthy. I think (laughs) we're a trustworthy bunch. Again, I go back to in this town, all you got is your word. um, And all you can do is be fair to people. You can have your position uh, and you should not give up on your values. um, But if the American people are not your guiding light and all you care about is your position and not trying to find a solution uh, then budget battles are not where I hope you find yourself uh, because you need people who are willing to work on solutions uh, and not default, which would have hurt millions of Americans uh, and not shut down the government. So we'll, we'll find a way in the middle, hopefully, um, in the next couple of months as we have to continue government funding.
1: Well, I'm sure you learned it back in Zachary and Clinton, but also starting to work for someone like David Obie. Uh, was a great lesson right. in the importance of trust in what you do, um, James Carville. You, well, you I, got a, you got a couple more more. I, well, I, you know, really, I'm 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 so
2: proud of, of of what 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 she's done, and you know, all of the young people from Louisiana that that show exactly, you know, the talent of of our people, and and more importantly, show our own people. Uh You know, and I, I, I just think, and I hope so on this line will because she understands a unique role along with Ambassador Greenfield and other people to keep being out there and being an inspiration to these young people, in particular these younger girls, that they can. There's no reason in the world they can't aspire to be at the very top of the United States government or, or any other place that you want to be. So, uh, I'm, I'm just very. Proud to have you on the show, Sandra, and oh, just give you. you all the best. And I'm gonna be, you know, I'm gonna be pulling Pub- for you public, every inch of the way.
3: Yeah, public school from kindergarten school. To, to graduation and high school.
2: <laughs> Do you where'd you go to 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 Zachary? How are you Be uh, Sweet? No, Louisiana? I went to
3: Clinton. Clinton no what? longer has his own school because you know right. budget cuts. You, they right. combine into a parish school. Uh,
2: right.
3: so Clinton Elementary, Clinton Middle. Uh, Clinton in ninth
2: grade and moved to Scotlandville Magnet High. Oh, you went to Scotlandville Magnet High School. Right. That's great. Well, whatever, you know, public schools and you were educated in your home state and you made your home state uh, enormously proud. Thank you. Hope one day you come back and run for governor.
1: <laughs>
3: Don't. No, I'll leave the political side to you. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. From
1: well, what I, you. I hear, you have pretty good political instincts. I'm Adam Director. Shalonda Young, thank you so much for thank being you so much. Thank and
2: such and such you so much and
1: give your family
2: a hug for us.
3: You two are in very comfortable spaces that make me very jealous. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'll I'll see you on an airplane, I'm sure, at some point. Uh, going well, back sure. and forth to Louisiana. <laughs> All
2: right. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you,
3: you both.
0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free.
1: See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts.
0: Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
1: Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hey, James, normally we do a segment on voter suppression with the invaluable assistance of the Brennan Center. This week, however, I want to do something else. I want to mark the 75th anniversary of one of the most important speeches that changing history paved the way for more universal voting rights. It was brilliantly captured by my good friend Dick Moe in a column in the Minneapolis Star Tribune. It was the 1948 Democratic convention in Philadelphia facing a tough presidential election, and Democrats were struggling with the issue of civil rights. The answer came from a young mayor of Minneapolis, Hubert H. Humphrey, who in a ringing declaration implored that, quote, the time has arrived for the Democratic Party to get out of the shadow of states' rights and walk forthrightly into the bright sunshine of human rights, end quote. As my friend Dick Moe wrote, we should reflect on that moment today, that courage again today. And those voting suppressors who try to say this is about states' rights ought to be forced to go back and read Hubert Humphrey's 1948 speech. I don't know if it'd make any difference, but it's worth everyone doing. Go back and read that speech, July of 1948 in Philadelphia, Hubert Humphrey on civil rights.
2: So, So there's a book out, just came out on this very topic and I think the guy's name is Samuel Friedman, and he's an academic, and he's got a whole book, in Into the Bright Sunshine, I think is the name of the book. And what really affected Humphrey was he was actually a graduate student at LSU, and he saw what segregation was up close on, on a massive scale, and that, that had a, in, I know where he lived in Baton Rouge when he was there, and that that really jolted him and was had a lot to do with giving that speech.
1: And for the next 30 years, there was no better champion of civil rights and voting rights no. uh, than, than Hubert Humphrey. He would no. hate to and see. And so that
2: was courageous by today. any stretch in 1948.
1: It sure was. Listen, there were uh, several delegations. I know Mississippi, I'm not sure about Louisiana, walked out of that oh, sure. Philadelphia well, convention.
2: We, 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 we had to. There's yeah. no yeah. way. Yeah. we We were not that stupid.
1: Yeah. Hey, James, uh, no labels bills itself as a serious, substantive, possible alternative to Donald Trump and Joe Biden. They are raising a bunch of money, uh, and this week they put out their platform. Here's what we stand for. If you had any doubt that this was a sham and a scam, read this 63-page poll-tested platform designed to please everyone, not on the far right or the far left. On energy, no label says we need to focus on renewable energy while also retaining fossil fuels. Oh, okay. On abortion, no label says we need to respect a woman's right to choose, and we also need to respect the sanctity of human life. And please don't set any specific time frame upon which abortion is legal or not. Social Security, no label says, needs overhaul. But don't touch anyone at or near retirement age or the middle class or the less fortunate. And on national security, now, James, this is, you want to talk about courage. New Label forthrightly declares in their platform, quote, a world led by America is safer, better than a world led by Russia or China. hmm Wow!
2: Let me a wow. noodle on that.
1: And 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 you might think that they would duck the difficult issue of budget deficits. No, no. daring to be bold, they call for a blue ribbon commission.
2: Oh, I never had those before.
1: Oh my God! No never labels. Heard, never heard
2: of such a thing.
1: No labels. You're on the cutting edge of I don't know what. Go ahead, James.
2: Uh, you you know it's as vapid and shallow as you would think it is, and. Look they're going to go out and raise this money from these millionaires and every all of democrats is an evil organization, et cetera et cetera uh, I think given this level of, of stupidity that they put out, let's just take them at the, at, at their own word this, this is this what America is looking for uh you know no solutions, <laughs> no labels, no solutions, no problems, no nothing i mean it's it it's saying, you know i from my outrage i i very rarely, I want to say never, but, uh, you know, seldom say never. Talk about stupid stuff that Trump says because he says so many stupid things. And you just get frustrated because it doesn't change anything. I mean, like nuking a hurricane all right, or putting disinfectant directly on the human lung. And, all right, it's cra- or, or, or protecting the airports during the Revolutionary War. Like it's it's really insane. But you, you you could see if somebody were like just having a drunken conversation. Well, I just go to Hurricane don't I just drop a bomb in there and blow the goddamn thing up, you know. Or it, you, there's no way you can get this out of it. it but, but at least it, in some connection, so the Miles Tail, I guess, was a deputy Homeland Security guy. Said that when they met with Trump and he told him that the ranches along the Rio Grande were really complaining and having trouble because the wall prohibited the cattle from drinking water. And said, a guy, you know, says, well, you know, maybe we can cut a hole in a wall. And Trump says, no, no, no. Put ladders there and let them cross over on a ladder.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You're making that up, James. I'm not making making it
2: up. (laughs) I swear. I'm not making it up. And, and, and cows are notoriously clumsy. You have a cattle guard. I've had been, growing grew up raising cattle. That that like railroad tracks separated because they can't cross it. You know, you you don't put a gate in. You just put a cattle guard. and a cow will never. cross So you don't
1: think it. they could climb that wall? Uh, it's, <laughs> the,
2: the, the idea, the visual of a cow. Climbing the wall, climbing the wall, ladder, going back down the ladder, taking a sip out <laughs> the real grand, going back. I got just like, I had to read it three freaking times. Right? Oh, and again, God. I, I got to tell you that the idea of nuking a hurricane is massively stupid, but I'd see where somebody, a massively stupid person, could come up with that idea. And, you know, putting Clorox on on people's lungs. You know, I don't make I don't doesn't make much sense to me. But if you were drunk enough, you might think of it. This you can't beat. It, this is all. This is a Otani home run. I don't know what the fuck it is.
1: It is. It the, is. The,
2: the cows going up together. I hope oh, you can put ladders there and go. <laughs>
1: All right, James, now for the questions from our our very, very smart, perceptive listeners. Uh, And they're more than we can get to. So if we don't get to yours today, please send it in uh, for next week. Annie in Minneapolis says, don't we have some people who can take Joe Manchin out back to the whipping shed to knock some sense into him? I thought he was on our side, WTF, and I think she's talking about his no labels pitch this week.
2: Well, first of all, how many how many Democratic judges does Joe Manchin vote for? I, I
1: I think she's talking about the. And just to read the question, she's talking oh, I, about. Yeah, I, with
2: I, no I, labels. yeah, I, yeah. I think he's getting attention. Uh, I, I, I I think if he thought it would help elect Trump, he might not do it. But I don't know. I, I don't know. And they're, they're flirting with everybody because they have these rich people giving them money, and everybody's. Got to get in on the, on the deal, you know?
1: James, somebody told me, I don't know, that, that, that this right-wing congressman or former congressman who's running against the governor, Jim Justice, who was widely thought to be the nominee who could easily beat Manchin, that there's a chance that this, this right-wing congressman yeah. could, could beat Justice, at which point Joe Manchin would be right back in the game.
2: Right. Uh, and I think he's keeping probably keeping his powder dry.
1: Yeah, and but
2: yeah. he and Justice fired Manchin's wife. That that shit don't go over big.
1: That doesn't endear you to them, does not,
2: it? No, not, not really, not really. And apparently, they were very good friends at one time. But I mean, Jim Justice used to be a Democrat.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. A, you know anyway, Laura in Peterborough, New Hampshire. She said since the Democrats are not sanctioning the New Hampshire primary. My husband and I have decided to register as independents and vote for one of the Republican candidates. We'll wait and see who, aside from DeSantis, can throw a monkey wrench into the Trump mega plans. It seems like less of a waste of our votes. What do you think? I just wrote about New Hampshire. You know, first of all, I think Biden made a terrible mistake up up there, and I think he he could suffer an embarrassment. Uh, you know, the question is whether they're going he's going to allow a write-in or he's going to sanction it. Uh, and if that doesn't, if that happens, uh, Laura, it may put you in a position of where you have to stay in the democratic one and write in Biden. But if not, um, yeah, I think you're, you know, you're probably right. And I would say right now, as of today, right in Chris Christie, uh, Chris Christie's not going to be the nominee, but you know, he's going to have a lot of fun. He's going to have a lot of fun in New Hampshire, particularly going after Trump, uh, and DeSantis. And, uh, you know, I don't endorse candidates, but James, you may disagree,
2: but well, I, I, the- yeah, I, I, I think well, first of all, I would do anything I could that could simultaneously hurt the Republican Party and help the Democratic Party at the same time. So I'd be very upfront with my motivation. And if it was me, I'd vote for Ron DeSantis. I think Ron DeSantis. If you got a general election, Chris Christie, he would be a a, a strong general election campaign. I think DeSantis would be a particularly weak general election nominee for the Republicans. He's got no skill. He's his state is literally falling apart right now. I mean, trust me, that as soon as people figure out what's going on in Florida, you're gonna see people going down and say, gee, the, the housing insurance costs are going through the roof. They can't find anybody to work down there. They canceling conventions. I mean the whole crazy ass thing. So I I, I actually think that DeSantis would be easier to beat than Trump because Trump, you know, if you got caught in the wrong side of a turnout game where you didn't have much Democratic enthusiasm, which appears to be the case right now, and you had off-the-chart Republican enthusiasm, you could distort that model and it could end up like 2016. DeSantis can't distort the model anymore. They don't like him and he doesn't have the skill the charm or anything else to do it. So my recommend, I would vote for DeSantis being that that is the vote I think that would help us the most.
1: Well, I hope you're right. I'm not, and I think he's been a terrible candidate. I still would worry a little bit about some guy running against Joe Biden who's 35 years younger. But, well, uh, i worry about anybody know. running
2: against, running against right. him, but right. I, he, he doesn't, he's he, he stuck. His, his abortion position is the most extreme you can have. Yeah, six. He's weeks. trying to get from under that. Right,
1: right. I know. Uh, James but- Rob in Hartsdale, New York, said on last week's show, you said the best issues for Democrats were guns and abortion. I don't think you quite said that, but you said they were good issues, and they should talk about those two issues. Rob says almost exclusively, which I don't think you quite said, but Rob says, "What about climate change, and how about calling it the climate crisis rather than climate change?"
2: Okay, so, Rob, you 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 listened pretty carefully. Well, I was talking about, when we talk about the Supreme Court, we should not talk about affirmative action or student loans. Right. We should just, right. that, that, that the abortion gun stuff is much more salient, much more popular, much more outside. Now, and I just make the point I make a lot of times. Politics is in part about what you say. If anything, it's a larger part about what you don't Say, and, and, and that 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 that's a, a, a critical distinction here. So, what was the second part of the question, Alfred?
1: The second part of Rob's very very good question: What about climate change? How about calling it the climate crisis rather than well, climate change?
2: Uh, f- fine. I, I uh, the climate crisis is a little more direct. I'm I, using the word. I don't. I mean, people. As would people say, it's an issue. It, it, it is. It, it, it. It's going to be more of an issue when by the time we get through this hurricane season. Oh God, it's going to be sickening. Let me tell you. And uh, I, I think it can be effective, as part to show that they're just clueless of what's going around them. They're, they don't see the gun violence. They don't see the the, the, the climate crisis we're in. They don't see that there's hundred and. You know, thirty straight days of 110 or higher. They don't see. But I mean, these people are completely clueless. I think it 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 can be packaged into a larger critique. In in, in any time you get them saying, "Well, it's variation," I'm not a scientist or something. That the thing that people are going to agree with you that that the climate is changing. Now, where it, where it gets sticky is what are you going to do about it? Yeah, yeah, and. and you know when when you think of how much money, is the most profitable enterprise in the history of man is the exploration, extraction, refinement, transportation of fossil fuels. That guy they tell you how many hundreds of trillions of dollars. And the world is having to pay for this, and we are going to have some massive lawsuit. And you can see, we've already started to see it down here, where the insurance rates are, are literally, uh, you can't afford them in Florida now. And in, right. in, in, why, you, you know, somebody's going to ask, why is a homeowner absorbing a, a 400% increase in the insurance when the fossil fuel companies are made off like bandits and kept all the money and accept no responsibility because what's happening now is not normal and they knew it. Right. And th- th- this is something that, that that's gonna be not maybe not our lifetimes, but, but not in the not very distant future, you're going to see massive and you've already seen some, but they're just getting started on these on these lawsuits and how much they knew. I mean, when they go to when they do they get to the discovery. It's gonna be un freaking believable. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, it is. James, uh Carl in Sydney, Australia. We had a good contingent in Sydney. You sure
2: do. I'd go down there.
1: S- says I do, you love think, Sydney. do you think homelessness is getting worse in the US and what should progressives be doing here and in the US and back in Australia to help? You know, you ought to Carl, we had a great guest on uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, who is the head of the the federal homeless uh, uh effort. Uh, and so you ought to go, you know, listen to that. And I think it's 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 getting worse in some places, but some places it's getting better. I think Karen Bass out in Los Angeles, who had has had has one of the worst problems, is really really working hard to to change that. So it's a um, it's a it's a really sad problem. And there's all kinds of issues. Anyone who says it's all due to uh, you know to to drugs or it's all due to depression or it's all due to this or that is wrong is due to a multiplicity of things and probably the best solution carl is for homeless people get them a home
2: yeah that, that is that's what they're, they're trying to do now you know some of it is i think fairly can be laid at, at at liberals feet uh you know restrictive zoning laws wouldn't let people in you know became too expensive but the in, in their building, I mean, they did build a lot of houses in California. It seems to be a problem in like California, Boston, Texas has a terrible problem. I know, uh, you know, and it tends to see in places that don't have that. I, I suspect the Minneapolis climate probably helps keep their numbers down. But then it's a problem in New Orleans, and people don't—they don't, don't want to hurt anybody or be cruel, but they don't like disorder. No one wants to sit at a light and have some guy come up and try to hitch up for 50 cents. It just doesn't work very well.
1: No, you're absolutely right. Uh, John, in Chicago, Illinois, this is for you, James. Instead of picking fights with drag queens and denying climate change, Governor Ron DeSantis has failed to address the property insurance crisis that has hit Florida. All the major insurance companies are leaving. His denial of climate change is making Florida unaffordable for so many. Will the senators be able to counter this on the debate stage?
2: Well, first of all, thank you, thank you, thank you. As Albert knows, I've been preaching about this recently a lot, and and no one has figured. You have in Illinois. Maybe I'm sure you maybe have relatives down there or something. No one here has figured out what a how giant a problem this is and how it affects everybody. Remember something about homeowner's insurance. You have to maintain that to maintain your mortgage. So let's assume you live in Florida. You're a dental hygienist, married to a sheriff's deputy. you got two kids. Right? And your homeowner's insurance was... You, you got a mortgage of $350,000, all right? And if your homeowner's share goes up from $1,000 a year to $10,000 a year, you got to pay it or you can't keep your mortgage. Uh, and, and that happens to everybody that has a home. And by the way, it happens to everybody that rents. Don't kid yourself. Been people that rent, so the the, the landlord... She or he or whatever pronoun it is has to, has to keep that property insured to keep his loan alive. And what happens when the insurance rates go up to your rent? Well, duh, let's think. So, so then this is, this is a growing problem. The other problem they have is the Sands coming crazy. Any immigration stuff that, and so they can't, Agriculture is a huge part of the Florida's economy. They can't find pickers. They can't find people who work the crops. The construction people scared to go to work. How many, you know, how many roofers you have in Florida that don't have a proper papers? I couldn't imagine. And the people that make it go around So they, they they're, they're. This is the head, you. You figured it out. Florida is a failing state right now." In People are going to come to figure that out pretty quickly.
1: Well, that could be a huge story, um, both you know, economically, yeah. socially, and certainly politically. Poo, Brooks, Brooks in Manhattan Beach, California, what are the must-win states for the Republican presidential candidates in the primary? If the states that each candidate must win in order to continue his or her campaign. For example, Brooks says, I believe that if Pence doesn't win the Iowa caucuses with their high percentage of evangelical participants, then he is pretty much toast. Let me get your thoughts on this. I think Mike Pence is pretty much toast today, uh, Brooks. I just don't think there's a path for him. As a general proposition, it's been true in both parties. If you don't win in Iowa or New Hampshire, <clears throat> I'm, I'm sorry, you're gone because somebody's going to win and they usually take the place. Obviously, Joe Biden on the Democratic side disproved that last time. I think it was probably sui e. generous, but we don't know. I certainly think it's true this time. If Donald Trump uh isn't defeated in iowa or new hampshire then it's going to be hard to stop him and if someone defeats him in one of those two states uh then i think it's going to give them a, a a real momentum for what comes next but uh you know like it or not and republicans are keeping with their old order it goes iowa and new hampshire those are the first two states and um South Carolina is not quite as, as 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 critically. The interesting part of South Carolina is if Scott and and um Haley are still in it. Uh who does better in South Carolina, but that may be kind of a subsidiary issue. I just think keep your eye on Iowa and New Hampshire and whether Trump can win or not. Well,
2: if if Trump were to now lose Iowa or New Hampshire, that would be an indication that his campaign had collapsed cuz he's way think- ahead.
1: But way ahead right now. Yeah,
2: particularly New Hampshire because he yeah. lost Iowa last time. It, right. You know, he lost Iowa uh, b- b- to Cruz, but it, 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 it assume he finishes, you know, within spitting yeah. distance. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and but if he loses New Hampshire, it, he's lost a lot of ground. Right. Because he's got he's got, he's got big leads everywhere. You know, it I got sure go back to watching those people in Iowa last night at the Hannity Trump thing. Right. And that didn't look like a guy who was going to lose our caucuses to me. I mean, there were people, I mean, they were literally lined up shouting. And it's all so crazy, and the people all look so normal. That's what I just, I couldn't get over. And it was just one freaking lie after another. They just, they couldn't stop lying. And it's like, oh, now look, look what happened. Hillary, they didn't even investigate her emails. It was just, okay, everything's fine. You know, here it is. Like, oh, they didn't investigate the emails. Oh my God, how, how how stupid was I? But they just say the stupidest, most erroneous, goofy shit, and they just eat it up. They, they please tell us more lies. Please, sir, may I have another?
1: Well, it goes back to Cynthia Loomis. Uh, that, that's what they're all about. Yeah. Listen, these these uh, this is the final question. This is from Barb in Mount Airy, Maryland. Now, right. James, this may hurt a little bit. As a great SEC fan, what are the odds that someone can primary Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville after he had to walk back <laughs> his comments on white nationalists? He he has not helped the intellectual reputation of the SEC football, uh, James.
2: No, he's not. You know, everybody has something. We all, you know, something embarrassing you got to deal with. And, and I say this about Tuberville. It, there's truth in packaging. He looks as stupid as he is. <laughs> I mean, if you look at that guy, you go, geez, he's stupid. But uh, the the one that is his match, but she's got enough sense to not talk very much, is uh, that the, the one from Mississippi, the Cindy Hyde-Smith. Ooh, man, this is one light biscuit here. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> and uh, the, she's going to have a race. I mean, I, I you know, I see what happens in the Mississippi governor's race. But you, you know, people that listen to this show know that uh, I certainly don't come proclaim Mississippi anything close to a blue state. But it's a lot less red than you think.
1: Well, um, she's up when and and, and, and is she up in twenty four. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. well, that's, uh, I think that's she
2: one, is. I, I, that's that's I, one I, to watch. I'm pretty sure I'm right. I, but somebody have, you would have to double check because I'm not
1: sure. We'll get back to you on that next week. Uh, and as for Tommy, oh, my God. Anyway, listen, keep those uh, keep those questions coming in. Uh, I know we didn't get to all of them. We'll try to get to them next week. They are so good. They're a highlight for us. So thank you. Thanks for listening to Politics War Room with James Carville. I'm Al Hunt. Don't forget to send your questions for us by email to politicswarroom at gmail.com or tweet them for next week's show at politicon. Now, following this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you check out the links to our sponsors, ExpressVPN and Henson Shaving in the show notes. We thank you for supporting him because when you do, you help make this podcast happen. Now, to keep up with us, subscribe to Politics War Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can also find other shows you might enjoy on the Politicon YouTube channel or when you search Politicon on your favorite podcast sites. Remember, please rate the show with a five-star review. We'll be back next week with another show as we continue our War Room planning.